Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. If you want to hear more than just this highlight from the program, become a Coast Insider, and you can listen to the full episode plus recent shows covering the mysterious death of Kurt Cobain, the possibility that government may soon reveal the truth about UFOs, and the power of witchcraft as told by an actual practicing witch. Start listening now by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Charles Colon is a Catholic journalist, freelance writer, a former contributing editor for the National Catholic Register, has written for several other journals as well. He's done commentary on the last papal funeral in conclave for ABC, Fox, the BBC. He attended the New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico, and he was known in his known such figures as James Francis Cardinal McIntyre, the former Archbishop of Los Angeles, whom Charles Berlitz, by the way, claimed saw the wrecked Roswell saucer. Great story there. The famed television psychic Criswell and Father Malachi Martin, one of our longtime guests with art a long time ago. In October of 2005, Charles was named a Knight Commander of St. Sylvester by the Vatican. And here he is on Coast to Coast. His new work is called The Catholic Quest for the Holy Grail. We're going to talk with him about that. Demons, exorcisms, you name it. Charles, we've got it all tonight with you. Yeah, (laughs) I do my best, George. Welcome to the program. How have you been? Well, pretty good, pretty good. It's been uh, been an exciting time since we spoke last, and... um... You know, a lot of news, a lot of changes in the church, a lot of changes in the state. Oh, absolutely. Now, a lot of controversy lately over the Pope saying that there is no hell, and then the Vatican kind of backtracked a little bit and said, no, 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 he didn't say that. What's the latest on that? Well, then he shortly after that, he made a point of preaching a sermon about hell, and he had preached <laughs> several other sermons about hell prior to this. So... The only thing I can suppose is that on the one hand, the fellow with whom he gave, to whom he gave the interview is a 93-year-old who doesn't take notes. Uh-huh. Um, but by the same token, he keeps on going back to him. Maybe and he likes the guy, it, right? I guess he likes him. But whenever he goes back, he uh, the fellow quotes him as saying something or other, and then they'll turn around and say, no, he didn't really say it. So, you know... I don't know what to tell you. I, I wasn't sitting down with the two of them, so I can't tell you what really went on. Okay, the uh, story that I've just had about a Catholic priest, actually he's a priest, a Mexican priest based in Switzerland. He mm-hmm. talks about the need for performing more exorcisms and that there's a demand for more exorcists. It's on the rise. This must be real stuff, huh? Yep, it uh, it certainly is. I, um, I was privileged to know the... Um, uh, well, one of the retired exorcists of uh, this archdiocese when he was alive. Um, and um, he was from Sri Lanka, uh, a native of uh, native of Sri Lanka. And he said that one of the things that struck him then was how few exorcisms there were here compared to his native country, which he attributed to the various sorts of religions they practice over there. Uh, but... As you know, our, um, we've become less and less, uh, shall we say, Christian-oriented in the West. And as we have, exorcisms have gone up, uh, more closely approaching the levels in other countries, you say. Are these people who the exorcisms are being performed on, Charles, are they mentally ill or are they truly possessed by demons? 
Well, the thing is that the church is very reluctant to perform an exorcism, uh, precisely for fear that someone might be mentally ill. So the um, criteria they have before the, uh, the local diocese will permit an exorcism are very stringent. Uh, they've got to be examined by psychiatrists. They uh, have to exhibit what's called the preternatural uh, symptoms. In other words, the knowledge of languages they couldn't possibly have known, um, physical damage to them from coming into contact with holy objects, a whole number of things. In other words, they, the uh, diocese has to be satisfied that they are objectively possessed by an external intelligence, um, as opposed to simply mentally ill. The Church does not see this as an alternative to uh, psychiatric treatment, not at all. Hmm. So these priests who perform exorcisms, Charles, how are they trained to do this? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, it used to be very much a in-house diocesan sort of thing. Usually they will select priests who um, are known for their piety, but also for sort of a lack of imagination, if you see what I mean. Uh, you don't want a yeah. priest who's given to flights of fancy. You want someone who's very, very uh, down-to-earth. And they've got to um, be physically fairly strong, because before, under optimum conditions, before they can perform an exorcism, they have to undergo a long period of fasting on bread and water, called the Black Fast. Um, this is very, very important for the, uh, for the exorcist to do. Uh, so you want someone, as I say, who's fairly physically strong, not given to imaginative uh, flights of fancy and so on, and very devout. Um, someone approaching the Cure d'Ars, say John Vianney, who was renowned for this sort of thing, and was at the same time, although he was very much a mystic in his way, he was a very, very down-to-earth individual. The last thing you need when dealing with the preternatural is somebody with a great imagination. Right. The the priests who were involved in the exorcist case that we all know from the movie of uh, mm. the little boy from Baltimore who ended up in St. Louis, where I am right now, by the way, Charles. Ah. Tell me, were they well-schooled, do you know? Did you study that case? Somewhat, and yes, they were. Um, the uh, I think the... The first priests who were uh, called in on it were not, because of course they, you know, there was simply priests who were, who were um, called on in the immediate. But the folks that did the major part of the business, they um, they knew what they were dealing with. And usually, you see, the thing about uh, about most exorcisms is that they're really, how do I put it? They're not what you would call quite as exciting as the uh as the uh the movie although never is yeah although having said that though they do have certain well i'll give an example and uh, this is something that uh, the late father martin uh probably was most heavily affected by when he was uh, witnessing them if one of the witnesses because i should point out that at every exorcism we want a, a number of non-clerical, non-family witnesses. That's a very important part of the process. However, 
if any of the witnesses have uh, mortal sins on their conscience that they haven't confessed, very, very often the demon will happily tell everyone what they are. Explain so that. For instance, yeah. if someone has been an adulterer or, or whatever you like, uh, hasn't got a confession about it and is along for the ride as a, as a witness, the possessed person will very be very, very likely to call out the adultery. And as the um, exorcist of my acquaintance put it to me, this can be very embarrassing. <laughs> what makes this demon leave the human being during well, an exorcism? Ultimately, it's the it's the power of God directed direct directed at the demon. Uh, the 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 prayers and the blessings of the of the rite of exorcism are very they're very very powerful if you get the chance to read them. And ultimately, in the end, the devil must give way, but he fights, and a lot of the where's and why fors, why is it longer in this case than in that one? Why uh, does he seem easily defeated with one person, another person it takes much longer? There are all sorts of factors that we simply don't know. We know the prayers work. We know that a certain procedure works. We do it. It happens. But beyond that, there's a lot we simply don't know. Well, well that's a good point, too. But um, confronted by a, one of these demons, I mean, are they out to kill the individual that they're possessing? What do they want? Well, ultimately what they want is the damnation of that individual and everybody else around him. They want all of mankind to share their ruin. Uh, they want us all to spend eternity in hell with them, um, absolutely miserable, in ways that you and I can't begin to imagine. We probably don't want to imagine. No, probably not. I, I, I don't. <laughs> Tell me about the but, devil, Charles. What do you think the devil is? Uh, not a very nice person. Uh, <laughs> no, he uh, is the, the chief of the fallen angels. He was perhaps the brightest and best of uh, God's creation. And he took pride in himself uh, and refused at the end of the day to obey God. And you're convinced so, he exists? Absolutely. Out to absolutely. destroy us, isn't it? Yep. And he delights in our pain and our suffering and our confusion as a foretaste of what he hopes we'll have for eternity. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.